I didn't even know that Deirdre, what Deirdre's last name was until I saw the 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 trophy. And then like the hallway, there was like a auditor of the month. There was like a hallway. Yeah. And that's when I found out what her last name was. What's her last it name? Bobirdra. <laughs> Deirdre's <laughs> name is Deirdre Bobirdra. Yes. <laughs> of course it is. Well, hello again, friends. I'm Aaron Ross, and welcome to Who's the Ross, the podcast. What you just heard was a little snippet of my chat with three of the crew members from 2023's Best Picture at the Academy Awards, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I got to chat with Oscar-nominated costume designer Shirley Carrada, their production designer Jason Kisvarde, and set decorator Kelsey Ephraim. There are so many sweet little nuggets of information about this film that they give in today's chat. All these great Easter eggs, just like you heard about the Deirdre Bobirdra, which is the actual full character name for Jamie Lee Curtis's character, which she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress this year's Oscars. And uh, there's just so much great stuff in there that we're going to give and so much insight. But before we get to all of that, I want to drop what I do on our program here, the two things of A, giving you interviews with people I admire, and B, the insight into how I was able to connect with these extraordinary people and sit down for an extended in-depth chat with them. Now, I would say that it was equal parts research and luck, but it all began with a trip to the mechanic just a block from my apartment in the Silver Lake neighborhood of Los Angeles. I'm sitting in my car when in my rearview mirror, I spot a bright rainbow-colored sweater. And that rainbow colored sweater just happened to be attached to costume designer Shirley Carrada. She had been nominated for an Oscar only two days earlier. So naturally, I did what I had to do. I leapt out of my car, I congratulated her, and shamelessly started to pitch myself. I told her I had a show at the Alamo Cinema in downtown Los Angeles, and that we wanted to screen her film and then chat with her afterwards. And believe it or not, she said yes. Now, the truth is, it wasn't exactly that easy to connect with Shirley. I mean, sure, there's definitely kismet into running into her at the mechanics, but listen, it wasn't by total chance. Because in the sake of full disclosure, she does own a clothing store a block from me, also right next to the mechanic, called Virgil Normal. In fact, I had heard about everything everywhere all at once from her husband at Virgil Normal, who he runs the store, almost a year ago. It was April of 2022. And there's all this buzz about this little film that was just showing up the street at this small theater. And I thought, I gotta see this thing. So I do, I go, and it blows my mind, right? And then I'm thinking, wait, this, <laughs> the costume designer owns a store down the street from me that made these incredible, incredible costumes. I gotta meet this person. And so I tried to figure out how I could connect with Shirley. And it never came to fruition during the year, when those Oscars hit and she was nominated and the film had 11 Academy Award nominations, I knew, I, I just knew, I had to figure out a way to get in contact with her. In doing research about her, a photo online came up with her wearing a bright rainbow colored sweater. So when I saw her in the rearview mirror that day, naturally the dots connected pretty quickly and that's, that's really how it all happened. Now, as a bonus, when I'm setting up this interview with Shirley via email, she says, hey, can I bring with 
two crew members that worked on the film with me. And to, you know, uh, pull my response from the early 1990s, a doy, a yes, please. I mean, she now turned her interview into an exceptional panel with three people who were bobbing and weaving, working together to, to put together this once-in-a-generation film. So, what you're about to hear right now is an uncut 45-minute chat that was recorded two weeks before the 2023 Oscars. Quick note of something you're not going to see, but you're going to hear at the beginning of this interview, is a little beverage accident. We don't cry over spilt milk, and we don't cry over spilt water either. We make it into something fun. And you can hear that when this little surprise happens, that we there's just something about our whole team being there and the audience's response of laughter and oh, and, and the guest being worried about water spilling that, that is really electric. And I think it's so valuable to have a live audience being there that I think that I think really shapes how interviews like this go. And now without any further ado, please enjoy my interview with Shirley Carrada, Jason Kisvarde, and Kelsey Ephraim from everything, everywhere, all at once. Let's hear from him, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for being here. We've got Shirley, Jason, and Kelsey. Shirley, tell them again. Remind them. What did you do on everything, everywhere, all at once? I did the costume design. You did the costume design. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I heard not just some yeses. I heard some yasses <laughs> for that. And um, you happened to get a uh, was a, a Oscar nomination. Yes. <laughs> An Oscar nominee here with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Oscar nom nom nom. Delicious, delicious Oscar. We'll talk about it in a second. Jason Kizvarde, thank you so much for being here. Production design, ladies. And- don't worry, don't worry. Let me no let, let me production design <laughs> that. Uh, that's okay. This is <laughs> it's all a part of the show. This is, this is this is here's the thing. Swinky, that is that is a f- can you, can wow, you tell she Swinky. Has an at home? Throw them dollars out here, people. Swinky. <laughs> Thank you. Can sorry. you tell? Did you see? She has. Uh, how old is your your son, Swinky? Swinky, how old is your son? He's. He, he's turning two tomorrow. Our son's turning two tomorrow. That, that was a mom with a two-year-old. Do you see how fast she was out here? That was pretty impressive. That was, that was so. Swinky, yes. that was multiverse sort of work there. Check, check, check. She jumped quickly right to, to that. That's that's oh. water from everything, everywhere, all at once. That's <laughs> hey, official. That was so exciting. That was so exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to meet you. We're excited to meet you. Jason Kisvarde, ladies and gentlemen, production designer. <laughs> Jason, you won last weekend the Art Directors Guild Award for – tell people the, the award you got from, from yeah, that prestige. the, the uh, Art Directors Guild Award for Best Fantasy Film, and we were up against uh, – Best have, Production Design. Your correct. department, your peers told you you did the best for a fantasy film up against Avatar, up against Nope, up against The Batman, not A Batman – the, the, not, uh, that's not a rant. The, the Batman. Yeah. And is Black there one Panther? And Black Play Wakanda yeah. forever. And you had the best yes. fantasy production design, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> so it was it was a it was an awesome high five from my peers. 
It's incredible, man. Congratulations. I know, and we talked beforehand, it's with your parents on the west side. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the, the trophy's living over there right now, and they, they're hanging out with it and keeping it. Very cool. Keeping it warm. My, my mother is uh, here tonight in the audience, and actually she requested your water glass because she didn't want to see you spill again. So, Mom, you take that. Take, no, I'm just kidding. You take that home to the west side, Mom. The, Jason will sign it later. And Kelsey Everham, thank you so much for being your set designer. Decorator, but Decorate. close. It's, Decorator. It's, yes. That's okay. I like that phrase. Decorator <laughs> yeah. seems apropos. It's basically the in, like it's like the interior decorator of a set. Basically. Yeah. Yes. And and what incredible sets in yeah. in this film. We're gonna dive into all of these things tonight. Uh, I've got I got a few questions. I got my one page here, and the audience is gonna have some questions. Who's you guys got questions out there you're thinking about that you want to ask tonight? All right. Yeah, yeah. They're ready. They're they're ready. They got their notebooks out. They're like, all right, all right. Now I got to ask you about this Oscar nomination. Now I saw you two days after you were nominated. Yes. I was at the mechanic and I saw a rainbow sweater walk behind my car and I leapt out and said, "Oh my God, congratulations! Please be on my show." And you said yes. Of course. But yeah. in that moment, two days earlier, when you found out that you were nominated, where were you? I was in bed sleeping. That's what we always hear because they call in the morning, right? It's like it's like five five thirty in the morning, I think. But also the night before, we were celebrating Chinese New Year. All, all of us, like all of us, like Key, the Daniels, um, uh, in Monterey Park uh, at at a restaurant, and so we were like karaokeing and having fun, and I I just kind of wanted to sleep in. Um, and so I was like, um, I, I'm not going to get nominated. It's like, I think I'm up against all these big movies. So I, I'm going to sleep in. And then like a little bit after 5.30, I started getting texts like, oh my God. And it, then I woke up and got the news and I was floored by it. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. When we talked by the mechanic, <laughs> one thing that we spoke about is normally for costume design, you see a lot of period pieces. Yeah. So to have something fantastical, something forward thinking, something you know, both mixed in future and past, to get that award is such an incredible extra honor on, on top of that. Yeah, that is so incredibly cool. Um, the award season for all of you has been pretty wild. Uh, and, and I noticed that because there's a small team for this film, the team roams in a pack to lots of events. In fact, Dax, if we have this, we have a, a team photo here I'd like to show everybody. This is yeah. cast and crew, everything, everywhere, all at once. But you kidnap somebody. Yeah. Or maybe he's just your biggest fan. Brendan Fraser's there. This is the Critics' Choice Award. Yes. Someone want to tell me about this moment and, and Brendan coming into the, the fold, being part of the, the team? He he was there. I think he was either getting his picture taken right before or after us. Yeah. And he saw us all up there and said, "I, I just want to come in here and be with you guys." And we we scooped him in and and did a bunch of pictures uh, with him. And this I saw that them. moment too of everyone welcoming him in. The, your team is so kind and friendly and welcoming. Tell me about the camaraderie between all of you doing this picture together. And and, and tell me if I'm wrong. 38 days of shooting? Yes. That's incredibly yeah. fast for a film that's almost two and a half hours that has many, many, many different worlds. What was that feeling like amongst, amongst the team? It was like we were a family, right? I mean, we, we all just came in. 
we weren't sure where the movie was going to go. <laughs> you know, it was a crazy script, and, and we're like, okay, well, you know, we're just going to have fun, and we'll give it our all, and hopefully people will come and watch it. Like, that was what we expected. Like, I hope it'll make it into the theaters for a long enough run where people could see it in the theaters, but we weren't even sure after the whole lockdown happened. Sure. So, um, yeah, we did not expect it leading to the Oscars. Yeah. And, yeah, the Daniels are very supportive uh, as far as letting each department do their thing, like bringing in Shirley and saying, Shirley, show us some weird stuff. Hey, Jason and Kelsey, go get weird with that one. Um, you know, and it's such a, a collaborative family-like environment uh, that I feel they really, they, they fill their team with people that they trust and let them do their thing. And, but also push each of us to do our best work. And I think that's why we get things like this movie is you're letting everybody just run with it and and it is a fun family it's a very encouraging atmosphere you know it's it there's no yelling there's no screaming there's no tension it's it's stressful and it's hard work but it's uh it is a family atmosphere yeah. that that goes on beyond the shooting like in that you can yeah. tell in that photo it's yeah. you know the day that the movie ends isn't the day that we all say have a nice life i'll see you maybe on the next one we all still hang out and see right. each other and and yeah, we Talk meet, meet up, up for Chinese New Year. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's speaking of being family, you've been in the family a, a long time, both you and Kelsey, so, who are family. Married. You're married. <laughs> yeah, yes. married. Yeah, well, you got married, what? Uh, in October. A couple months Aww. ago. Yeah. But we had been, t- we had known each other for 13 years and been dating for 10 years. Yeah, but audiences that. don't clap it. We've been together 13 <laughs> years. I know, now. I know. They we're don't clap now. when we got married in October. <laughs> yeah, uh, credit for time served. That's, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But oh, you got a ring there. Uh, sir, we like the gown. Uh, uh, being, uh, you've been in this, you two are a family unit, but you've been in the family unit with the Daniels for uh, over a decade. You've been working with them for a long time. Music videos you started in, we were talking about a Shins music video that you did in, in 2012. And uh, tell us about that journey of, of being with the Daniels this long from music videos to uh, being nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. That's an incredible road. It started with really, really small, what we called $5 music videos. And the music videos got bigger and bigger until they did their first movie, Swiss Army Man, which was, uh, you know, taking everything they learned on all the music videos. And it's been a long evolving friendship inside of work and outside of work. And for years, they'd been talking about this one, like, we're going to make another movie. It's going to be pretty crazy. It's It's a big one. Um, and I feel like a lot of the stuff they did in this were things that they had been thinking about and practicing in their past projects. So this is a big, this is a a lifetime culmination. You had said before when we were chatting that it wasn't just a a culmination for them, but you too, you felt like this is all I've learned with them, outside of them, put into, put into one project. It was like a thesis project where you're going, this is. I'm, yeah, I'm taking everything we've learned and we're putting it into one place and we're going to lay it all out and see what happens. I can relate. I feel that way right now. This is my thesis <laughs> right now. This is my term paper. Shirley, how did you become involved with the Daniels and this project? Yeah, so this was my first time working with them. So it was kind of um, interesting because um, I had worked with Jonathan Wong, our producer for this movie, um, 
with another director who I worked with, Aaron Rule, um, doing commercials, and you know I worked for years with Aaron Rule, and um, I guess the Daniels had like uh, mentioned to Jonathan that they were looking for a costume designer, and so um, you know Jonathan thought of me. So in the initial meeting where they were preparing to do this movie, you know we we met up. But I remember, like, I had a friend that, like, was a, a like, production coordinator who, who was, she's like, I've been trying to get you to work on some of the Daniels music videos and Daniels projects for years. And I was like, I know, it just never aligned. I was always, like, booked or whatever. Uh, and I wanted to, it just never happened. And so we met up at a coffee shop. And, I mean, at that point, I didn't even have to, like, present any boards to, like, sell myself, like, hey, I'm the best, you know. You just had coffee and they said, you're in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> And and I'm so grateful that that they trusted me and gave me the full like creative freedom to do what I thought would work for this movie. <laughs> That's the miracle of coffee. Coffee brings us all together. Indeed, the coffee does bring us all together. Yes. Uh, we mentioned something about the speed of this film, 38 day shoot, but the. I mean, the incredible, I mean, it's, it's insane to think of and what we've all been through over the past three years, but you wrapped the day the pandemic was shutting down Los Angeles. Yep. What was the feeling like on, I mean, when you rap in general, you're, you're exhausted and exhilarated at the same time. But knowing this thing was coming, we all were hearing about it for weeks. And I know that week leading up, you know, the toilet paper shortage of 2020, what, what was, well, it was, it was real. What was, uh, what was that feeling like on set? Like, oh my God, we're so lucky we're done. A little bit of that. Yeah. Right. It, it was it was scary. Yeah. Our our last night, uh, the that Friday the thirteenth, we were shooting in downtown Los Angeles. Oh my God, I forgot downtown that it was Los Angeles. Friday the thirteenth, March twenty twenty. Yeah. At night, imagine like we we wrapped at like seven in the morning on the Saturday. Oh my God! Yep. It was so a we, night shoot. We were shooting. And it was raining. Like yep. tonight, it was like a night like tonight. We were. Yeah. Ooh, oh, say that closer. To the it was. Mic. It was raining, so it was like a a night, night like, like tonight. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's in Pee Wee's Big Adventure how the story goes about large bars. <laughs> yes. It was a night like, like tonight. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, sorry. But yeah, we yeah. showed up to dress that set that day, and there was another show that was supposed to shoot there in the alleyway and they were packing up their trucks and we're like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're shutting down because the pandemic, like we're not allowed to shoot anymore. So we're all standing around being like, are we going to shoot And tonight? we're about to shoot all night long with 50 background in an alley and rain oh and thinking, God. do they know something that, right. that that we don't know? Well, I guess let's shoot this crazy scene all night Ignorance long. Ignorance is bliss, God bless yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And and that was it. We We wrapped it. Seven in the morning ish, yep. and everybody walked away. And they called us over. We were meant to do a green screen shoot that Monday. They canceled it, mm. and they called us over the weekend and said, "Hey, by the way, uh, the world has totally shut down. All of your trucks packed with set dressing and props and, and costumes. Uh, don't touch them. Leave them in that parking lot. They might sit there for six months to a year. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a call and keep you updated on uh, what happens next." And that was it. That was the yeah. day the world shut down, and 
Uh, the truck sat there for weeks, if not months. And well, my truck had to get unloaded, by the way, on Monday. Wait, how did you? How, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So it was like a mad dash to just like unload the truck. We threw it in a room. We returned what we could that was still open. And then the rest was just thrown in a room for months. But that's because you had those packs of toilet paper in the back of the truck. Let's be honest why you really went for it that hard. I do remember our coordinator, Allison, who's here. Was uh, hi Allison saying like like I think we should all get groceries today. Like she was like <laughs> was checking her phone and being like it's getting crazy. Like if like maybe everyone should like you know quickly go get things just in case. Who was stealing all yeah. the Cliff bars from craft services? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, I, that person still hasn't come out of their lock, their basement. They, they still got yeah, it. their their panic room. I, I found some like hand sanitizer that we had just kept, right? And I was like, oh, this is gold. I'm taking this. <laughs> Sweet, clear gold. <laughs> the, the timeline of this film is so incredible from front to back because I read that the idea of the film is 2010. The idea of this film and the idea of the multiverse started in 2010. And when the Daniels saw uh, the Spider-Verse film, they were like, no, no, we've been thinking about this. Then they saw Rick and Morty and said, we can never watch the show again. Hurry, hurry, hurry. We got to go, 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 go. How early as a production designer, you're one of the first people to collaborate on on the script. How early were you privy to this idea, Jason? A a few years before we shot it Mm. and before I really even had heard of multiverse things. So again, it, it's exactly how you described it. It's like when you have uh, what was it? Uh, the all, all the under, like the abyss came out the same year as like Leviathan. Oh sure, it's and, in, in in the pantheon of film. There's always yes. at least two ideas: two volcano yeah. films, two tornado films, two a- yeah. asteroid films. Right, Armageddon comes yes. out, and then the other one was Deep Impact. There it is. Yes. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> So, but that, that it's basically what happened. I think this was completely in all of our minds, and we're doing our research and figuring this out. And then you look up and go, wait, oh, they're, no, no, they're no, doing no. that too. And oh, no, they're, do- oh, shoot. We, yeah, ah, <laughs> how's ours going to, and I don't think there was a lot of thought about how's ours going to be different or what can we do and not do. I feel. Well, different's not a worry for you guys. <laughs> you did. Different, you did. <laughs> and I think that was it. We just, you know, did what we were going to do and then all these projects started dropping around us. And fortunately, most people had a different enough version of what they thought the multiverse was. But yeah, no, it was interesting. I think when the, when the seed was originally planted, it wasn't in the, the collective uh, conscious as much as it right, is now. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in 2010, it just wasn't all the superhero craze and, and an easy thing to sort of throw in and go, well, well, we can bring Michael Keaton in as well. You know, sort, <laughs> sort, of, sort of idea. Batman, for those who were like, why do you mention Keaton? Which I'm excited about that. <laughs> First movie I saw with my father in theaters, I was seven years old, and he took me to, to Batman, and that was like, he was like, I trust you with this one, son. <laughs> um, there, aside from the big lead-up to the film, there, of course, is then the big wait on this timeline. Two years, or 20, I mean, I guess by South by Southwest, it's like two years almost exactly, Yeah. right, where you get to, to premiere it. Was it premiered there? Was that the first screening yeah. you had with, with, with the public? What's that wait like for, for you? I mean, was there, and, and let me just say, thank you, and I'm sure everyone said this, Thank you for waiting to put it in theaters like the Alamo. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. A film that deserves right uh, that deserves to be seen in theaters. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we weren't even sh- sure that it was going to be hitting the theaters, right? Like like we had lockdown and I was like, "Oh, it might just go straight to video." Um, had no idea like how long it would take to edit and so 
when they finally were ready to release it, I was like so grateful because things were starting to open back up and, you know, theaters were open at that point. So I was like, great, it's going to make, you know, hit the theaters at least for a few weeks, right? <laughs> and that'd be great. And here we are now. So who made that decision? Who said, no, we're not going to, it's been a year, we're done editing, no, no, we can't, we're not going to, because there was such a hunger for content. Do you know who made that, who said, nah, we're go, we, this deserves theater first? Loosely what I heard is the lockdown happened, mm -hmm. and I think A24 went to the Daniels and said something along the lines of, well, uh, take your time on the edit. Uh, no idea if and when we're ever releasing Well, this that's movie. right, because you did have extra time. I think, uh, did the edit go from five months to 11? Because it's like, hey, yeah. we got time. And with a, with a film like this, with so many different, yeah. uh, what a, so there was a big blessing there. The, yeah. There was. They found a lot of the story in the edit um, <sighs> where there were multiple other universes that we filmed that they peeled out. And I think they, they found the perfect balance of keeping it crazy, but letting the, the story percolate through. And I saw an early cut of it that was more of an assembly cut that had everything, the kitchen sink, the whole nine yards. Yeah, how many, there's extra 20, is there 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Yeah, there's I, a lot out was, there. It was a long, it was long. And I remember watching that thinking, well, we, we, we screwed up. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, I hope this never comes out. And then I saw, the next time I saw it was at South by Southwest, the, fi the finished movie, and thinking, wow, they, they did it, they found it, they found the story, they peeled off all the, the excess too much stuff, and I think that was because they had the time. time. Yeah. Wow. So also, big yeah, and five of their friends did all the visual effects in their homes. And for them to do that, the only way they're able to do that is having all that oh, time. Right, yeah, you can do it in your home and it's yes. infinite time. And you're going, all right, yeah, I can dive deeper into this. I can, yeah. I can improve this more than I would have on studio time. Mm. Can, we, can we get a round of applause for editors? Yes. I, right? I feel like yes, in having sure. that discussion, God bless the, the editor. I want to ask, you know, this film means a lot of things to me. It was an insight in, in, into a, a different culture. It was an incredible family drama that, that, that tears pouring down my eyes. It was a visual masterpiece. It, it, it brought me back to the theaters, the place that I love the most. I felt like, and it was the most cinematic experience. So it just meant so much to be in that place. For each of you, what, did this, what does this film today mean to you? I know that's a loaded question, and that's it's a, a big question. Yeah. yeah. What does this film mean to you? To me, it was, it's just so good to see a weird, quirky script get made, especially. Like, I'm, it makes me so happy that A24 is around making weird content and giving chances to young directors that have unique ideas and not linear stories or stories that are a little bit different. So it gives me hope that there's amazing unique stories coming out and that there's some funding for them and hopefully with the success of this more and more interesting stories will get told and made you're here here yes. to creativity yes. and originality yes. yes what about you jason i i mean kelsey nailed it yeah uh, um <laughs> but yeah on top of that uh i'm excited to have been a part of something where we did get to flex our creativity and have, you know, fun, have bring, like Calder right there, 
who uh, built a lot of our specialty props, like the the wheelchair and uh, some other things. The Robo uh, Gong Gong suit. Oh, yes. yeah, Gong Gong's oh, Gong Gong's Robo suit. Uh, suit yes. Yeah. Wait, is that on auction, right? We're going to get that later, but is that on auction the for 824? The, the Gong Gong wheelchair is currently. Yes. Um, I think it's in storage. Um, but but that, you know, that, that this even got made, and, and to what Kelsey, just to reiterate what she said, I'm hoping more than anything that this shows that there is an interest and demand for content like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that people want more interesting original stories and that the people putting up money will finance more stuff like this going on so that here, here. we get to work on those exactly. things. Yeah. Those, those are the ones that we want to work on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, like, those are the ones we want to see. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the ones we want to see. What yeah. about Shirley? Is anything different that is full well, of for you? Also, for me, like, you know, as a, you know, Asian American, just to have, like, a, a story told from the POV of, like, a, a daughter of immigrant parents, you know, um, I think Hollywood would probably be like, oh, I don't know if this is going to make any money, right? But the fact that it did and that the story resonated with people all across the board. Um, just goes to show that if you have a good script and you're creative and, you know, present something new, people want to see it and people will identify with it and relate to it. So hopefully that brings more of that and maybe like less of the sequels <laughs> coming out. So, yeah. You're here to that as well. Thanks. Yes. That's right. And I read that your, uh, your parents? parents owned a, a laundromat. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so it definitely, it definitely hit, resonated. Hit, resonated yeah. hit close, yeah. close to home. Uh, we want to dive into some of the incredible sets, some of the incredible props, and some of the incredible costumes. I want to yeah. showcase a few costumes just because, again, uh, an Academy Award nomination. I, I wanted to spotlight just a few really quick and just get okay. you know where some inspiration came from or anything that, that comes to your mind. I know you've talked about these a lot yeah. because they're so amazing. <laughs> but the guy, Dex, we can put up the goddess Jobu Tapaki. And, and and 27 costumes made it to film, or so I read, that that, Joe that, Bichabak, she, wore. that she wore. Yes. Tell us about this incredible costume piece. Well, I mean, you know, I think the only, like, direction we're given was that she was supposed to be, like, a goddess, like, right? Goddess Jobu or something. And um, that the set was going to be all white. So, like, we were just going to dress her in white. And then from there, they gave me a few reference photos, but I was like, they're like, you know, do what you think works. And so I, you know, inspired by, like, a little bit of Jodorowsky. Um, I also am a big fan of, like, um, um, uh, Coppola's Dracula. So Eiko Ishioka, she's an amazing costume designer, a little bit of the fashion that I, I love to follow and um, a little bit of historical elements like Queen Elizabeth and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, tell me what the, the, the Elizabethan collar is called. I don't... It's a ruff. A ruff, that's what they call yes, those? Yes, a ruff. yes. So I you know, kind of wanted to combine all that, you know, use like some kind of a little more futuristic fabrics like, you know, vinyl-y, um, plasticky elements, but then a, some like more historical related elements, which is like the rough and the pearls and sort of just like combine it all. Well, that's interesting. You say futuristic. I mean, it's this incredible mix, both the set and this costume of, yeah. of past and 
future. Yeah. You feel like you're in this future world, but there's all this hearkening to stuff that seems like, you know, middle ages, if not. And, and actually, we have this set piece, I think, uh, that, that uh, Kelsey worked within in this space. And I was curious, Ooh. this space... Where and what is this? Oh, yeah. It's not that far from here. Yeah, we'd love to take credit for this, but it is an existing space. It's not that far from here? What's we actually, called? we were going to do a milk and cookie bus, but I think actually if we could go here, we'll at least bring the milk. It'll fit the aesthetic. The, the Saint v- Viviana's. Yes. Saint Viviana, I think it was... Around. Is that a temple? It's... I'm going to butcher this. It, it used was, to be a Catholic church. Yeah. Oh. I think it was the the main Catholic church in, yeah. in downtown Los Angeles. It's now an event space. You can you can throw a party Thanks, there Catholics. if you want to. Um, so yeah, I think they removed it get said all often. the religious iconography, and it's just this incredible white building. So we, we and they did, let you yeah we we put that lunch. we put that curtain right there. <laughs> and uh, is the room white though? I mean, did you have to like repaint it, or no, is it this the, white? The, this is the room. Oh, this is the room. Is yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. The, I think the big touch that we did is we whited out the floor, our special effects uh, That's just so amazing that you scored this yeah. space that looks, this is insane oh, yeah. space. So a lot of, you know, when you're on a budget level like this, we can't afford to build everything, paint everything. So scouting is a big part of it. So running around town and looking at 20 different spaces and saying, well, oh, there it is. That's the one. This is where we're making the movie. And we can add touches to it and make it our own. So that's what this was. This was a lot of scouting and picking the right spot. Let me ask you that, and that's your job as, as production designer, a lot of scouting and working within budget. Uh, what What is, let me ask, budget-wise, what's the thing, one thing you got where you said, thank God we got that? Oh, cubicles. The cubicles? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I expected at all. The cubicles. <laughs> cubicles are wildly expensive. To, to rent them, to move them. To do any, if you look at them, they charge you money for, for cubicles. <laughs> um, so, so looking at different spaces, uh, our big caveat was we can shoot this anywhere as long as it's got the cubicles. We're good. So that was one of this among the many selling wow. points of where we filmed that is it was full of cubicles. And, That's right. It's this yeah. Bank of America building, and yeah. also inside there, the the apartment yes. is Correct. in the cafeteria. Yes, so they had a, the big old cafeteria space that was empty, and we walked in there. Well, this is a big empty space. We could build the whole apartment in there, and we did. That's so similar to the idea of having this extra time to edit, because you then, because it was in the same space you were doing other stuff, you had more time to put it together. It didn't look sterile; it looked lived in. Okay, yes. it was incredible. So we didn't really have a big office space to prep the movie, and we got into this building early enough in the process that. We got there and said, hey, this is a nice office. Why don't we just it's use massive. this as our office to prep and started dressing out the place where we had built all the sets. I think Shirley yeah. based out of there as well. Uh, yeah, we had our, I had my office there, all our racks. We didn't have a trailer. We just it's set all up in there. Were, wow. And the dressing rooms too were like office it's like Bank of America no offices. No it was so yeah. much more family, too, because you were under one roof. There yes. wasn't that yeah. separation of, I'm in my trailer. It's like, no, I'm, I'm in the building. It's like a summer camp. Totally. I, it's That's exactly what it was. It was a, a office-themed summer camp. Well, oh, not, <laughs> not tight. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we would we'd be building that, that set and then at lunch say, hey, everyone, you want to come walk over and check out the apartment set? Yay. Wander over and go, that window is too big and that thing is too yellow. Kelsey, let me ask you about that apartment. What was it like making their world? It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was very stressful because it was such an important set 
for the film and it, you just learn so much about the family from where they live. We spend a lot of time there. So that was something that we spent probably the most time researching and pulling references. Um, I had some friends of mine that are Chinese American that would go shop with me and just so I'd have the right products in the apartment as well. And because we had the set there on the stage, I think we shot it first as the hot dog universe version where everything's beige, which was fun. And then I had, yeah, that was amazing. And then we had two weeks to turn it into their normal apartment. So I had time. So it was kind of like layering and layering and layering. And then having Jason come take a look and make notes, um, having our set dressers come do some little touches everywhere. So we had time with it, which was great. Um, cause it really was all those different layers of adding set dressing that made it what it was. Right. That, Extra time, those layers where you yes. go, oh, I, this is real. This, that's what blew my mind about it being a box in a cafeteria because it just seems like someone's home. So and, kudos. And, and that, that's what it was. It was the time to – because a lot of times, especially on this budget level, we'll have a couple days to show up, throw the furniture in, throw the set deck in, and they start shooting. This was right. – we had weeks. Amazing. So we would walk in and go, mm, what if we – crumpled up some and, and they just had days to 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 get it perfect. Yeah. So by the time they walked in there to shoot it, it just felt like a real lived in space. It's so cool hearing the symbiotic relationship you, you feel between costume production design yeah. and, and set decorator. As we just talked on one costume and ping pong ball to all yeah. the ways you all overlap together. That is so cool. Well it was also really helpful to be shooting like at you know the tax universe scenes and then they're building the set. So I was able to I don't always have the luxury to see the sets because sometimes it's on another location. Right. So I was able to see their sets and go, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like sometimes I'll bring the costume in the set and go, okay, this works. Or like discover something about the character. That's so, this gives me a chicken egg uh, question. Yeah. Was, it, was there ever a set that came before the costume where you saw the set and went, oh, that, that's where I'm going? Um, I feel like we're usually talking pretty early in yeah. prep yeah. and sharing mood boards quite yeah. a bit because yeah. it's, it's such an important thing to know, like, this is the color scheme we're working for for exactly. the set. Um, so we're usually sending lots of reference photos and color schemes back and forth. I don't know. If, like, the hot dog universe, I remember, like, I early on <laughs> said, I want them all dressed in hot dog colors. Right. I don't know, though, with the sets, if you had the same idea without me telling you that. Or... I think so. It's, it's so weird, that world, how it came about. I think we were in a, in a meeting with Larkin and the sh Daniels talking about what this world should be. And Larkin's like, because so many of our other sets are vibrant or browns and dark colors at the apartment, let's do something a little different. Like, I like beiges. And we're like, oh, like, it should be, it should look like a hot dog bun. Like, that's yeah. the inspiration my, for the set. My, my one regret about that set is that you didn't use that weird couch that looked like leathery fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looked like, yeah. It, yes. It it's like, like if you made... There if, would have been a weird leathery yeah. finger couch yeah. amidst the fingers. It was a couch that looked like it was the, made out of those. It was I think like, I pitched it to them, and they said it was too strange. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. The day, they said yeah. the freaky was couch much. was... There's wild stuff in it. Wow. Yeah. How did when you hear this idea? Who 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 throws this idea? Is it in the script originally? Yeah. Is it? It is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so, and the quick funny story with this. This was Jason Hamer who made these, and in the script it just Jason Hamer made the hot dog fingers. Correct. Yes. Uh, in the script it said 
basically they have long hot dog fingers. And I think that was meant as just a descriptor that they have long yes, fingers. Yes, that's what I was curious about. It was a descriptor. So, so when they showed, and there wasn't a lot of communication between the Daniels and Jason Hamer. So when he brought the final sculpt to set of the, the prototype for the hot dog fingers, the thing that everybody saw on them is on the tips of the fingers, you know, like on a Oscar Mayer hot dog, it has that, that wrinkly <laughs> texture where they twist the, the end on it. Those, which it's hard to see, but they have that hot dog texture. And I think the Daniels looked at it and were like, oh, ew. That's... <laughs> and then Jason said, but yeah, hot dog fingers. Yeah. Got some hot dogs right oh, here. There we go. Yeah. yeah does, do they have the little twisty? Notes? Oh, yeah. Farmer yeah. John, you bet he's got the. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pinwheel of meat. Yes, so it says so, that on the package. Ooh. But that was just a fun thing that they wound up leaving it. So if you ever see a clearer picture of those real hot dog fingers, they have, yeah, twisty meat nubbins. Yeah, enjoy your twisty meat nubbins. <laughs> Boy, we gotta make uh, some hot dogs called twisty meat nubbins. That right. is, uh, let's yes. let's all, all day every day. Yes. Go good. <laughs> Talk after after the program. Let's continue down in the. Jobu Chewbacca uh, costumes. Uh, I love. Everyone loves K-pop, J-pop. Yeah. Uh, Jobu. It was is I, my roommate asked? Is there is there a, a star or something specific? You know, like a, a, an artist where you went. Oh, we want to mine that. No, not really. You know, like it wasn't even scripted that she was gonna be a K-pop star. It was like, oh, we'll just have her change whenever she wanted. So just like show us some like cool, fun ideas of oh. outfits that she would make. And I was like, okay, well, what can I do? We're on a budget. And I was like, well, I have this, like, Jeremy Scott, you know, Adidas jacket. Why don't we just, like, do some fun outfit based off of that, like a K-pop star? And so that's kind of how we did it. Necessity, the uh, K-pop of invention. Yeah, exactly. Who, who, the bang Sejo boot. That was all Anissa Salazar, the hair person. Like, I didn't even know that she was going to do that. that. That was like, she came to set and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would show them. I was like, listen, this is what we're deciding for, you know, after the fitting. I would, get, would give them the fitting photos. And I was like, okay, so we're kind of, you know, having her as a K-pop star. You guys do your thing. So that's what they did. So like, cool. What a brilliant collaboration between, between all of you. Yeah. And, and to me, this is a perfect example of every department just bringing their A game. Yeah. Where I would walk up, walk onto set and see one of the costumes. And because I, I didn't know what every costume was. And a lot of them, were, like Shirley said, they change into a different outfit. And then Shirley interprets that as, oh, it's a giant green virus costume. <laughs> and I'd go like, what is... I can't, this is the movie we're making, apparently. This is bonkers. But like Shirley said, and the bang saying, Jobu, we didn't all know what everybody else was doing entirely. And there were so many fun surprises like this almost daily. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's, uh, what freedom. It was, yeah, it was total freedom. So cool. And, and then, I mean, let's go to every, this is my favorite Jobu Tabaki costume, the everything we, I call it the Jumbo Jobu. Sometimes J- Jumbo Jobu. Yeah, um, Hodgepodge Jobu. I don't. There was oh, no the goal alliteration all day. I like that. Yeah, I mean, basically at that point, they're like, you know, she's gonna fall down the stairs, so just have her something like in something that's like very, like reflects that, you know. And so I was like, okay. And basically, like I got like a black jumpsuit, and I just sort of freeform draping pieces. Some some of it like. 
the there was like her luchador outfit you know we got the pads and her golf outfit her polo shirts in there somewhere there's like little elements there's little nods to all her other costumes oh that's so cool this whole film does stuff like that there are little nods to different moments there i mean ragakuni is a reference an incorrect description Right? Isn't that what it is? It's an incorrect description of Ratatouille. And then because it said, in another world, there is a Rakakuni. <laughs> uh, Rakakuni voiced by Randy Newman. How many people caught that was Randy Newman? As right? That's Randy Newman as the voice of, of Rakakuni. Uh, tell me some other Easter eggs that are within this film that we can, that we can give the people. Because I know there, there are were, so many. There were so many that I didn't even know about until I went on set or discovered after, because I wasn't on set and didn't see it, from the art department, so. Yeah, we, we had fun with it. There, there are a lot. Um, most of them are things from past Daniel's projects that we, I, I still have some stuff at my house, or, or we fabricated stuff to replicate stuff from past projects. Um, one of them was uh, in the break room, they're doing the fight, and uh, there's a vending machine that gets crashed into. In the vending machine, two whole rows of product are cheesy cheese puffs. Cheese, cheese puffs, yeah. From Swiss Army Man. Wow. So, which was a totally fictional product, but we went and had the old artwork from that and made, you know, 20 bags of cheesy puffs and stuck them in the vending machine as a very obscure reference to Swiss Army Man, if you push pause and look closely Whoa. enough, it's in there. There's, uh, I read, now the auditing is a part of the film, mm. I read that you were audited during the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I think we were shooting the family living room scenes and come home from work one day and there's my big package from the IRS. I'm no. being audited for my 2017 tax return. And I opened it up with, with terror and dread in my heart and instead thought this is so authentic looking i need to bring this to set <laughs> and it's it's peppered in there somewhere with uh, you know all the other paperwork there, your audit is inside the audit <laughs> yeah. that's incredible yeah. <laughs> that's that's boy that is uh, that's making lemonade well, yeah. for sure there there's also like i didn't even notice until i think cuz we have like a a group photo stream going on and someone posted it in Evelyn's apartment, there's some uh, soup cans um, that look like Campbell's soup cans, but they say Daniel's. No, there's yeah. Daniel's yeah, soup! Yeah. 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 yeah I, and that's one of the things I think, I don't even know if that made it into the movie. Uh, yeah, we would just bring stuff and throw it on set, and, and maybe it gets on camera, and maybe not, but we also just didn't tell people we were doing these things. <laughs> and uh, the first shot of the movie where you're pulling out of the mirror on the little credenza and you're seeing them singing karaoke, there's a lot of nods to things that happen in the movie. So there's a little raccoon and there's chapstick and a fanny pack. And so like that was another fun thing where we just put a bunch of themes in the movies in that first shot where you're pulling out and barely see them, but it was something fun. Also, Jason made up a fake um, mascot for the IRS called Taxi the Pterodactyl. No! (laughs) And we have posters everywhere in that building and you I think you maybe see it once so, so so the longer version is Larkin the DP we were scouting that building and he made he's hilarious he made a joke wouldn't it be funny if the IRS had a mascot taxi the pterodactyl and I'm like you mean spelled like p t a x he's like yeah 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 and 
So we ran with it, and more he hated the idea. So we printed more and more posters. So every room of the IRS building has, you know, when you walk in, hey, taxi, the helpful hint from taxi, the IRS pterodactyl. Yes. Taxes are due April 15th um, in the mail room, you know. <laughs> Look out for suspicious packages. So I feel like when he shot the movie, these were everywhere. And he somehow sort of avoided shooting them or they're in soft focus. But if you go back and watch, they're in, in the IRS. They're in every set, taxi, what? the tax pterodactyl. And it's Larkin came up with it, and I think he regrets it. Yay! So yeah, look out for taxi. taxi. I didn't even know about that. So. That's incredible. <laughs> when the Pee Wee Playhouse reboot comes back, Terry yes. is now Terry the, yeah. the tax <laughs> the ta Terry the tax pterodactyl. The tax pterodactyl is. I didn't even know that Deirdre, what Deirdre's last name was until I saw the 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 trophy, and then like the hallway, there was like a auditor of the month. There was like a hallway. Yeah. And that's when I found out what her last name was. What's her last name? Bobirdra. <laughs> Deirdre's name is Deirdre Bobirdra. Yes. Of course it is. And, and nobody said it out loud on set. It's just spelled out like B-O-U-X-B-E-A-U. -E and I think there were multiple people on set standing there going, Deirdre Bobirdra. Oh, my God. But, but Whatever that, this know. French last name is, I don't know. The U and the eggs, I can't figure it out. Because it was never in the script, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, you guys just running. Man, your summer camp sounds like the most fun. I want to go to camp. People can go to camp, Dags. If you want to show these really quick, you can make your own summer camp because A24 is auctioning off for many incredible yeah. charities. We can just show these one by one. You can get The Rock from the Multiverse with the Googly Eyes. You can get, what else you got? I think we've got, oh, please God, Rakakuni. Oh my God, Rakakuni. How much did Rakakuni, oh, don't tell me how much Rakakuni costs, but like, was it a big chunk of the book? Because that's practical. So that, that was Jason Hamer as well, the guy that yeah. made the hot dog fingers. Sweet Jason. Yeah, so he's, yeah, batting a thousand. Woo, I love that. <laughs> yeah. the Ted Williams of, of props. Uh, what, what else are they auctioning? Ah, uh, yes. There it is. Wow. I... I pulled that picture and didn't notice it. Wow! <laughs> Deirdre, but it just slides right under the nose, that Bo Beardra right there. Yeah, you get those all for charity from the A24 auction. Those just opened for auction like two days ago. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, get Rakakuni. Oh my God. This is a Free from destiny. Not only what we sow, not only what we show. What an illuminating interview with these wonderful guests from Everything Everywhere all at once. All these Easter eggs that were dropped, all this extra knowledge. There's just so much there. It was so much fun to get to talk to them all about that. Uh, you know, while on this podcast, I illuminate how uh, I alone often have found these interviews when we do these shows live, like we did here at the Alamo uh, Cinema. Huge thanks to them for not only putting on our interview, but also screening the film. The team that I have behind me is extraordinary, and I want to thank each and every one of them. You just heard Swinky. Uh, she was singing along with our band doing This Is A Life, which was uh, nominated for an Oscar for Best Song at the most recent Academy Awards. I want to thank Swinky, our band leader, Nate Rich, Dave Fong on bass, Julian Ho on drums. 
Our producer at this show, Kristen Wall, uh, helped make everything go. And then, of course, my right-hand man, uh, Dax Jordan, he helped uh, record the sound and mix it. You may have also heard Dax throughout the interview, best quips in the game, one of the funniest people I know. We always keep a mic with him, and he's often taking on co-host duties with me. Now, believe it or not, folks, that was far from everything we recorded that night at the Alamo. We had a brilliant audience Q&A where audience members asked some really wonderful questions. Uh, of course, you heard the music with Swinky and our band. They played a couple of songs from the film that was really wonderful. And special appearance by my mother, Alita Ross. That's right. My mom appeared on the program. You heard her in the first episode of our podcast where she was co-hosting with me during the pandemic for a full year. Well, my mother was vacationing and popping into LA for that weekend we did the show. And I made sure that the show was actually booked specifically so she could be there. Now, Shirley Carrada, our costume designer from the chat, she was highly influenced by 60s fashion. And in the 60s, my mom was not only a Hollywood actress, but she also spent a week on the Batman TV show as a go-go boot clad, uh, mini skirt wearing henchwoman for a Batman villain. And so because of that 60s connection, I had to show some clips of, of Bat-Mom. And then uh, she helped chat it up with us and play a game to close out the program. So all of that extra everything, we'll play that all at once in a future episode coming really soon. I'll use a quick moment right now to kind of present the lesson of, I think, each episode of this podcast, my friends. Remember, keep going. Lead with your passions and never be afraid of no, because today's no is tomorrow's yes. I like that one. I like that. <laughs> those, I swear, we're going to make those bumper stickers, and you can get them at whostheross.com. I don't think they're there yet, but who knows? Maybe you hear this years from now, and these things sell like hotcakes, and I'm ubiquitous with the phrase, today's no is tomorrow's yes. Find us on social media at Who's the Ross on all platforms. And if you would like to see a visual representation of this interview or any other interview that you hear on our podcast, just go to youtube.com slash Who's the Ross to check those out and get a bunch of bonus footage that you may have not heard from or seen before. Can't wait to share our next episode with you when we have legends of voice over acting and comedy from reno 911 he played garcia and from mad tv she played everybody carlos alas rocky and deborah wilson super excited to share that chat with you but in the meantime stay rossum my friends and we'll see you next time on who's the ross the podcast